0: everybody. Welcome to another Nick Flanagan Weekly in the New World Order. Uh, I don't know if it's a new world. I definitely don't think there's much order to it, but here we are. I'm Nick. This is my erstwhile podcast. I'm your podcast friend. The only podcaster you listen to. Perhaps the only podcaster in the world. It's impossible to say. There is no historical evidence of any other podcaster according to a recently wikipedia edited Wikipedia entry that I may have had something to do with or not. Today's episode is an interview with someone I have been pursuing to speak with for a long time. And um, he went through a lot of different uh, locations and uh, finally... We were both in Toronto just in time to be able to only meet via Zoom. But I thought it was really fun anyway. I'm talking about Walter Scott, a cartoonist, an artist. And he does a great comic called Wendy. You really have to check it out. It is funny. Uh, it feels real while being very silly. And it's reflective of a very unique mind, you know? So I really recommend you check out Wendy. A good place to start would be, uh, and I'm always up for advertising at Tumblr, wendycore.tumblr.com. Great place to start. Or just go to drawnandquarterly.com and order a past Wendy book. And after June 15th, you can order Wendy, Master of Art, The Newest Adventures of Wendy. Otherwise, check out Walter on Instagram. Go to wwalterscott.com. And I think that's it. But definitely be sure to pick up Wendy, Master of Art, which will be out June 15th. I loved our talk. I basically love human contact of any kind at this point. But I think up till now, Walter have mostly talked at bars and and maybe a party or two. And uh, that's nice. But, you know, Skype is where it's at. Zoom, even more so. Zoom versus Skype, who will win? You will not find that answer in this podcast, but you will find a lot of great talk, and hopefully you check out some of Walter's work, or you already have. So enjoy Walter Scott on Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm recording it, but if this isn't the beginning of it, it isn't the beginning of it. But if this is the beginning of it, it is the beginning.
1: Uh, that's good to know that you're recording. Um, it's legal. I had yeah. to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm just like uh, pulling out my basement apartment as I've been doing for a while now.
0: Where are you staying right now exactly? You're in Toronto?
1: Yeah, I live in uh High Park area. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: The famous park that closed.
1: Yeah, I live in between uh some Hooters, a 7-Eleven, a Dairy Queen, like the the nowhere the nowhere land. Well, like I know not, that area well. Area. Yeah, I, w-
0: I went to high school so right by there, oh. and uh, I I've uh, been to that 7-Eleven a million times. <laughs> I've been to that Dairy Queen 998,000 times. So there's still 2,000 more times before I equal
1: yeah people are going in there. It's weird because it's quarantine era, but like people are still like laughing and eating ice cream and I'm like, I don't think doing this
0: I know I mean I think that uh I mean I agree i like i I and I don't know if it's I don't know if you're experience this if it's something where I'm kind of like, am I too anxious in general or uh is are people being, trying to be very selective about when and when not to kind of go out and do stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that everybody should just be having a lot less fun.
0: <laughs> or at least outside.
1: It feels like a weird like Star Trek thing where it's like everything outside doesn't really feel that different. like it looks the same, like the same amount of people are still out on the street. Mm -hmm. But like maybe the only difference is that like there's a little crease in their forehead or something. Like besides that, everything is completely like it was before outside.
0: I'm pretty anxious when I go out, you know, uh, most of the time. Like I, you know, anytime, especially obviously uh, supermarkets and such,
1: you know. Oh yeah. Well, maybe I'm, more cavalier or something, I, like, I know I should be more afraid, but I'm not that afraid yet. I, but, like, I'm also really bad at... Like, I don't know. I'm, not <laughs> I'm like, hygienic to a point, but I'm also... I can be a little reckless. I But, like, mm-hmm. like I, I do, like, wear a mask and stuff when I leave the house. I just feel like I'm not as freaked out as other people. But I will be... Uh, if I get really really sick so.
0: <laughs> that's that's tends to be the breaking point for a lot of people is when they get really sick they go uh, throw that mask on me please
1: just for all the time
0: just to make up for all the times I didn't bro <laughs> I mean I think there's a lot of learned behavior that we have and learned responses that we're uh, employing during this crisis that are probably counterintuitive, uh, yeah, like definitely. I don't know if I've wished coronavirus on anybody, but I think in my darkest times, I've just been like, like an old coot, you know, like just, just like, uh, they don't know. They, as you said, the, these people shouldn't be having so much. What is this frisbee? Why are you playing frisbee? You're not wearing masks,
1: you know. Yeah, I know. I have a um a friend. I have a few friends on Instagram that are like. I never realized the stereotype of a person with a sandwich board, this is the end is, is near, and like a bell in their hand is, is real. <laughs> but like, it's real, it's a real thing. I can see it now.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I wonder why people get in that mentality of conspiracies and um, also, yeah, like beyond that, just sort of total catastrophizing, but in what feels to them like a. I've figured it out kind of way, rather than... Yeah, like a righteousness, sort of. Yeah, rather than recognizing it as being like a total fear of the fact that, you know, your daughter is scared of the way you smell
1: or something. People will find anything to subsume into their personality, though.
0: What have you subsumed?
1: What have I subsumed into my personality? Yes. Uh, I mean, well, what I'm saying is that, like, a coronavirus is a really perfect opportunity to like have your personality shine
0: (laughs) given everything that led up to now yeah because everyone's like you know here I am knitting masks here I am uh, you know corona thirst trap uh,
1: yeah yes
0: look at this knucklehead and then a picture of uh, me look at these knuckleheads and a picture of the person holding their dog and then in your head like neither you don't think you're a knucklehead and you don't think your dog's a knucklehead so why why are we having this charade
1: why are you making me believe your lies
0: (laughs) why yeah that's really uh instagram is why are you making me believe your lies and twitter is why are you making me hear your opinion you know Mm. a bite-sized version of your opinion are you on twitter
1: no, I deleted Twitter years ago. That's great. Yeah.
0: You're a visual artist. Why are you well, I,
1: I didn't like myself tweeting out like little pity things like as if anyone cares. Well, yeah. About like my like jokes, my like little jokes. I was like, oh, I, I don't like myself trying to be funny and smart
0: on Same Twitter. Same here. And yet- I tried the first one you mentioned, the latter. No, the former.
1: Twitter is good for comedians, though. I feel like comedians are... I feel like Twitter is like made for comedians in a way. Or are they really taken to it?
0: They definitely really took to it. Anything that allows self-promotion, I think, is a uh, comedian's best friend, you know, and, and being noticed. And uh, uh, I, I think it's intimidated me On some level, but I also, it's almost like the opposite of what you felt. Like when I just kind of like tweet freely without fear of anyone caring, uh, that's easier for me. But then when I notice that no one did care after I checked, then it's kind of, I I start to doubt myself and the sleep button gets hit. I guess I should like introduce you.
1: Yeah, can we start the podcast for real, for real? I don't really feel like any of anything we just said is just like... Well,
0: Walter, you clearly haven't listened to my podcast. There's mostly, it generally starts with just an unrelated to anyone's personality kind of uh, Oh, really? I mean, Plus, yeah. it's like, I, you know, we don't get to talk, so we got the COVID uh, podcasts always have this element at the beginning where I'm like, how you doing? What's going right. on? How you been? you know yeah yeah but uh yeah let's let's launch into this and then we'll get back to what we were just talking about
1: yeah sure let's uh, do that
0: you're walter scott
1: yes that's me
0: which is the same name as uh somebody like sir walter scott was there someone named sir walter scott or am i yeah
1: so him? sir walter scott when i figured out on google or like you know kind of knew before is uh an author, Um, I'm just going to Google it now, (laughs) he wrote Ivanhoe, I know that.
0: He wrote Ivanhoe? That's a big deal. I don't really know anything about Ivanhoe besides the title, but I know it's an epic of some sort.
1: He was born in 1771 and is a Scottish historical novelist, poet, playwright, and historian. And he wrote Ivanhoe, Rob Roy, Old Mortality. The Lady of the Lake, waverly, the heart of Mid, the heart of and the bride of Lamermore. Um. Every Walter that I've ever met though is kind of the same, in a weird way. So he's probably similar to the other so, Walters. What, what do
0: you mean? What do, what do you mean by that? All the Walters. What are the uh the um uh, common elements of your average walter and are you an average walter
1: yes i am i like like i don't want to sound too self-deprecating but like all the other walters that i've ever met in person like they're a little weird <laughs> <laughs> or a dog like literally <laughs> yeah
0: it's definitely like a name for a dog or a bird, like a like an owl type of bird. Yeah.
1: And I think my parents, they obviously didn't know who Walter Scott was. Otherwise, they wouldn't have named me that, I don't think. But the, only, the other option was they were going to name me Randy, which I don't really like. So, mm-hmm. Walter's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Lately, I've been thinking about names like that. Like, both Walter and randy like to me uh because of the etymology of words like i just think about names that sound like they're shortened versions of names but are they shortened versions of names you know now walter sounds like it's walter you know is it biblical i don't know but its full name came from somewhere probably like gaelic
1: or something well fittingly wendy is also a name like that yeah, what, what is it? What is it short for? Someone told me that Wendy is a made-up name that isn't real that was made up for Peter Pan.
0: Right, but do you think it might be like kind of a Winnie kind of derivative,
1: like Gwendolyn,
0: that kind of thing? Yeah.
1: Now I'm googling Wendy, <laughs> which is.
0: Uh, I love it. This is a podcast. We're supposed to have space. And form and function and Googling is all, it's all good.
1: It is Gwendolyn.
0: Hell yeah. That's right. Bring me to your trivia night, which all happened on Zoom now. It's just weird.
1: But what also, about- the, mm-hmm. it's also the mispronunciation of friend Wendy from uh, Peter Pan. So. Right. So there's that too. Uh, 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 uh. The second meaning of the name Wendy is fair skin or blessed, and it dates before Barry. Uh, who's Barry? And Obama. likely comes is what? Obama. Right. Yeah. Obama, and likely comes from a, a pet name for Gwendolyn. Uh, these elements come from the Gaelic words Gwyn, holy white, and Dolan, ring. Um, Wonderful.
0: And Wendy, for those not in the know is your award-winning i'm presuming it's won some award.
1: uh i don't think so
0: well it wins an award from me That's nice. the award of very enjoyable comic and actually i just realized i think i'd missed reading one of your books i think i missed obviously you have your new book wendy master of art
1: yes i yeah,
0: do on and quarterly but you also have uh wendy's revenge is that Is that the only one you wrote uh you published or i feel like there's one before that right
1: um i can give you a little timeline rundown and then you can be like oh that's the one i didn't read so the first one that came out that was published by koyama press was just wendy straight Mm up wendy in 2014 Mm -hmm. and then 2016 was wendy's revenge and then uh the new one wendy master of art is June fifteenth, 2020.
0: And how would you sort of... What is the Wendy... Let's say you're at a party and someone goes, so what do you do? So, well, I, I do comics,
1: I guess. That sounds like a comic artist. <laughs> uh,
0: are you a comic artist? Like, where does it all fall? Because Wendy is the story of an art student. An, art, an artist... Uh, I guess she's not in school anymore, actually. Is she or is, is she...?
1: Well, she yeah, no, she was her. never in school. Yeah. Somebody in an interview recently was like, Wendy is like an art student, but she never was. Like, uh, the book took place kind of after art school when she's <laughs> trying to become an artist. So exactly. it's like
0: yeah,
1: it's like this, like, uh, it's a graphic novel series about a young person named Wendy who is an aspiring contemporary artist uh, in, a, in cities a lot like the cities I've, I've been in, like, you know, Montreal and Vancouver and LA and whatever. And so we just watch her hijinks and her misadventures unfold and hopefully relate to her. That's <laughs> what I'm doing.
0: Do you watch her hijinks unfold? Like, does it all, does it feel external of, of, of your mind sometimes? Like, I'm, you're just like, you have to get in that mind state. Like what, you know, Wendy, I, I think, in in the first, I, I've also read a lot of the stuff that you've posted on your Instagram, I think as well, you know, and you've, you've had Wendy, Wendy made it to the New Yorker didn't, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yes, he did. Um, you want me to elaborate on that? Well, yeah. Okay, uh, so um, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy was is a book series like you can buy it at a bookstore Mm -hmm. but i also did a few like online wendy things like for a few websites and uh i guess the new yorker the editor the cartoon editor of the new yorker uh had one of the books so she emailed me and asked me to pitch to the new yorker and it wasn't like wendy necessarily i guess it was like Pitch whatever, uh-huh. but because I already had it when a character named Wendy, I was like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm comfortable speaking through her," and like I was kind of freaked out about the New Yorker format. I mean, because it's online, it could be whatever. It's not just the single panel that people are used to seeing mm-hmm. edition. But I was like, "Okay, so I'm I'm just dipping my toes into this whole new satirical landscape." And so I just went in, kind of doing what I always do, and mm-hmm. I'm still kind of doing what I always do, and and they're getting published on the New Yorker website. But um, eventually, I'm gonna try to see how that new format I can like tweak my language or create like new like styles.
0: Yeah, and form. and possibly, uh, you know. Do you, are you interested in stepping outside of the, the story of Wendy because yeah, and also on, on top of that, it's like uh, when I was at, when I refer said comics, you know obviously graphic artists or you know and, and, and graphic novelists like on, on the other hand, writing about the art world, writing about artists, I mean you know do you consider yourself more of like a visual artist using this or do you view this as sort of, just sort of a diary of you trying to make paint (laughs) other art (laughs) you know uh and some of your other you know like your own goals like it's kind of meta is what i'm saying you know it's you are making wendy to document how you're trying to be an artist externally of wendy does that make any sense
1: uh i think formally things have been starting to mix together like i have this piece here that basically looks like a body oh that's amazing and for the podcast audience, I just moved my Zoom camera over to a sculpture on the wall,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. paper-messy feet, and uh, jeans, and a jean jacket with some applique. So I think formally, like, the comic stuff and the sculpture stuff is, like, coming in and out of each other. Uh, But I, I, I feel like comics are just one medium that I do and that there's a bunch of things that I do, and I like to think of myself more like an interdisciplinary artist, but, like, of course, like, comics culture is so specific and, like, so, like, connected to itself and, and, like, there's some people out there in the world that probably only see me as a comic artist, but, like, also that's fine. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. They don't I, have I to
1: mean, be interested in my other stuff.
0: Well, I'm so scattered that I, I, you know, I feel bad. I haven't been able to, like, fully delve into anything you haven't shared on social media and, of course, the the Wendy stuff that I've read uh, uh, I mean it was just very amazing like it's very memorable to me discovering you, you know the Wendy character because I was staying at an art residency the Gibraltar Point one which it, yeah. it, 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 on Toronto
1: Island and uh, I've been Rome.
0: there yes I, I bet and uh, maybe it was even a book you left there you know I don't know
1: oh yeah I do believe I'm there I think yeah
0: it was years ago now and um I had just read an article like uh, several feet away in The Globe and Mail by um, Alex Malacco, this great writer who, yeah, uh, who it was an known for a while just gushing over it basically mm-hmm. and and talking about it. and then I read it and I was like, this is, this is great. And, and you know I related it more to like, a, like zines or something, you know because when I was growing up, a zine could be about music or any kind of culture, but it could also just be a collection of comics or, or diary-style entries like the Comic Bus zine, you know. So, um, I mean, I guess I, I'm just interested right now in going backwards because uh, you mentioned sculpture, and that takes us into, you know, your, uh, what would you call it, like your formative training. And, and, and that is interesting to me. like how did you like how did you wind up docu- why did you want to document the world of an artist? What brought you
1: there? you know? Um, well, it's interesting you say that because Wendy started as a zine actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a 60 page zine uh, that I sold at Expo Zine in Montreal like 2011, I think and uh, a lot of people came to buy it and, uh, and that was because um, I had started to well it's like I feel like I'm going backwards 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 so maybe I should start at the beginning
0: why don't we do that I'm definitely wanting to know just even.
1: like should we, we start at the up? beginning of my entire like when I was like a little creative Zygo or do we start from the beginning of Wendy
0: let's start Zygo and get to Wendy because that's what I wanted anyway. Because you mentioned... So you living, well, I mean, I, I just mean, when I say that, it's like, I want to know that too. And because I'm so scattered mentally, and my brain is a... Uh, honestly, it's just half a brain. So sure. I, uh, I uh, yeah, I, 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 got, I got excited about... I, I'm excited about so many different aspects of people's stories that I often ask a lot of out-of-sync questions, and it feels like you're watching Greta Gerwig's Little Women.
1: Uh, a reviewer once referred to her as an idiot savant. <laughs> but like her acting style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, that's kind of accurate. But like, I don't hate it either. I, I like it. I like her the way she is. Um, okay, so we'll start at the very beginning. Um, so I grew up in Ganawonge, which is a Mohawk community just outside of Montreal, and uh, I lived in the like kind of half rural part. Like there was a dirt road to get to my house, so it was like rural and then village and then city, like all three. I was mm-hmm. able to access like three different kinds of, of uh, infrastructure, I guess. Like it, it never really felt like I was in the bush or in the city, like. And that's like kind of thing. It's kind of a thing with like being a Mohawk from Kahnawake in general, is like you have this like semi-rural life, but like this also the city life. And we're like so close to the city and uh, our economies are so intertwined with the surrounding areas. And, and so I, I guess we're kind of like the Kardashians of the indigenous <laughs> people in Canada. Um, so, you know, that was that. And I grew up, uh, I was a theater, theater camp, obviously. You know was in the sound of music and played the youngest on trap child and was really thrilled to wear like a, a poncho to escape from the nazis and everything sure yeah Who but at a certain point i outgrew theater because i was uh i don't know like more into punk and i was like becoming more of an asshole and, and like was starting to get embarrassed about like singing uh yeah, sort of... yeah. But then uh i kind of didn't know what to do and then um
0: and at this point how old are you maybe like 16 17
1: like 13 13 14 yeah. and then my friend uh marion is a bit older than me she was in her 20s and she applied for some money from the band council uh there was there was something called the brighter futures initiative where you can like i don't know make up a summer program for teens right and so then she started this thing called uh De Yoyas, which means uh film or like it's just like the Mohawk word for film. It roughly translates into like light hitting up against uh, light hitting up against the surface.
0: Because that's what I was wondering—the origin of if they, could, you know, if there was a Mohawk word for film before film was created, and there was.
1: Well, hitting, no, I. On the surface. I think it's more like the way Mohawk language works is like we're not yeah. going to say what the thing is; we're going to describe what the thing does. Right. Um, and that's sort of like a really easy way to mix and match like um the way the world works into describing something so i don't know like no that that's great uh then i it was a it was a drop-in program where you could like hang out and like watch movies and learn how to edit movies on a, a vcr amazing yeah and uh you you know had just gone to Concordia so she had like her Concordia professors come and talk to us or like uh actors or whatever and one time uh what's his name um uh, Donald Sutherland no no it's this guy it's this guy. The actor that Sinbad Richardson is obsessed with apparently this Who's native Sinbad actor. Richardson I thought you knew him as this guy in Montreal who's like a filmmaker guy. I
0: don't know if I've met Sinbad. I feel like maybe I, I, I'm very bad with names. And then I see a person and I'm like, ah, you, yes, from my long life meeting a lot of amazing people. And I like you so much. And I'm so hurt that I couldn't place you. Do you have that? Yeah,
1: one? so I, I'm like a Montreal dude. Yeah. If he's listening to this, I say hello.
0: Hi, I bad. It, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. So anyway, he's obsessed with this native actor. I forget the guy's name now. Uh, but anyway, is he
0: American or Canadian?
1: I I'm not sure. I love I think he's American.
0: Uh, so so maybe Gary Farmer
1: Yeah, it was Gary Farmer. It was there, Gary yeah. Farmer. So go. Gary Farmer came to speak to us too. Like it kind of it, it cracked open the door for all of these weird things to happen, right? That's
0: amazing that someone like Gary Farmer, you know, to get to get those kinds of different. Figures and, and native figures, and, and people who have just like, because I think Gary Farmer is also an activist from what I under, on some level, if, if I recall. I mean, or maybe just stupid fucking white man and dead man was just like enough activism
1: to be called an activist in the newspaper. Well, yeah. I mean, it opened up all of these vectors of interest, you know, like mm-hmm. indigenous actor and then like animation professor from Concordia, like well, I'm sure is dead now, but oh, God. if he isn't, hi, David Gray. Hi, David Gray, please. Um, so, you know, I'll, you know, and like for Marion, my friend, it was like, she, she didn't mind hanging out with teens. Like she was like, you know, I mean, like, she was cool but she was, I guess there was like a big sister vibe but I think she was really interested in like younger people uh, and what they could do and and her, her father was my element, one of my elementary school teachers and uh, well he passed away but, but I think that he kind of had that same sort of like energy about him and then she was a bit like her dad Anyway, this is starting to sound like something that Mohawk people say when they're sitting around a table. But like, oh, and her father was the same way. But
0: I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, we got, we got all the time in the world.
1: So anyway, uh, oh, just tell
0: your life story. Tell the life story of,
1: uh, of everybody, around. everybody
0: involved in the program.
1: Yeah, someone's gonna cite this when they write a research paper about me in like ten years.
0: <laughs> Our soundcloudcom slash Weekly citation needed. <laughs>
1: yeah so we made films you know we walked around town and like made films and people you know like did their version of jackass or you know like, where, you know, when, like when you're and, a kid you know, or whatever. yeah like and it was like a weirdly like great way to get outside and like hang out with other people, which is what I was trying to avoid by going there in the first place. so sure. it kind of like was it was able to like give me a bit more of,
0: like, You were trying for insularity and it wound up creating extra somehow.
1: Sure, yeah, but with all, like, like I was still able to, like, uh, present myself as insular, so I, it worked out. Like,
0: yeah.
1: I was filming out in the middle of summer, like, by the way. In, in Montreal,
0: but, or were was, you doing uh, this primarily in the sort of village area?
1: It was mostly in Gunnawonte. Okay?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, like and then how you know. large is
0: that community, by the way? Sort of interrupt. But.
1: uh in like 2001, mm-hmm. when I was hanging out there doing that stuff, it was like maybe 7,000 people. Now it's like 9,000 people.
0: I mean, it's it's so cool hearing this because it's, it's it, it, in a lot of ways, it's not very different from what I experienced growing up in, in downtown Toronto, obviously without the uh, element of being near Montreal or an in, in, in indigenous community. But um, I actually am... Uh, yeah, I mean, just that I took a video editing course at a school taught by a cool lady who gave me like a punk tape from the 80s, you know, yeah. uh, VHS uh, editing, uh, and, and I went there with my friend. And I had a lot of friends uh, who were in their 20s as well, yeah. you know, and, and really, uh, really did. Uh, I don't know if it was that they gave me, they knew what to give me that I would like, or that I liked them and I liked the sort of cultural things they posed to me. And uh-huh. we, I remember having a recorder and going around town like with my friend and just like being annoying, you know, it's, it's kind uh-huh. of cool, cool. And that was, you know, eight years before. So anyway, just to just to speak. And, and that's, I think, such a crucial path to the weirdness, <laughs> you know, like to, to not be afraid to present yourself. And also mitigating expectations in a sense Be- because of the smallness of some or the underground or the, the unpopularity in your mind of the things you like. And it creates that same embarrassment. Like I had that too that you're talking about, uh, about everything you used to like before, you know, and that's something I've tried to like theater camp, for instance, or in my case, yeah, yeah. It, it would have been, you know, I'm like 15 and I'm like, I can't believe I liked I'm uh, down with the King by run DMC. The other stuff is much better, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it's all good. Don't worry so much. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it is. a
1: I mean, I don't, I really think that like benefit <laughs> from theater camp, I learned a couple of things that kind of, uh, like, uh, some social things, like, like, uh, if you're gonna act on stage, like, and, you have to speak to the person in the back of the audience because, like that, that way you know you've covered the range of the whole room. And I feel like no, that's, no, so use that. I didn't
0: that.
1: that's like a weird thing that's actually come in handy. If I've had to give artist talks and shit, is like remembering my training as a like twelve-year-old, like speak to the person in the back of the room. And like I don't know, those kinds of things actually build social confidence and stuff. Yes. Um. And- is
0: that something that you've had? Is that something that was built in that period of, of that sort of uh, getting out there and talking to people? And I think it's kind of cool you were doing it in a smaller city, you know, because or a smaller town or whatever, uh, because it's full of people that you knew, you know, on some extent, I would imagine a place that size, you would be running into some people you knew when you were doing this. Yeah,
1: like kids became friends with other kids, they maybe wouldn't usually be friends with, which is cool. Um, I think what happened is, I, uh, I I guess like before then, everything is like, you think everything is gonna be like school, you know? like Okay, <laughs> I gotta go there, and then I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and it has to be on time. And I mean, even theater camp is like, we have to learn our lines, but uh, this wasn't like that. And, I decided that I wanted to make zines. Well, really, like, Marion was the one that, like, she made her own zines also, because, of course, she was, like, the cool older person, right? And she, like, took us downtown at night and brought us to, like, this, like, zine store uh, called Nebula in Montreal, which is, like, closed now. But, like, Mm. opened up this whole world of, like, you can make your own books, and you can print them, and you can sell them. So I spent a lot of time at Dayo like, making films. But, like, I was the one... That was mostly making zines and like we had a like monthly zine that the organization of kids would put like together and i was kind of organizing putting this zine together of people's contributions and like adding my own and designing the cover and like you know that was like that was like before i was even 16 you know uh i really really took to The like the power of being able to like photocopy something.
0: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I I did a little comic scene uh when I was 14 or so, and also my friend Andrew and I um we did a zine uh for a couple of years. And I mean, to me, that world of zines and going to shows one of the best things about it is even though there's this snobbery or uh, insecure, kind of keeping to yourself That can happen, judging people At shows, judging people The truth is, I think that it's like The amount of acceptance of people And of things, like the earlier Because I grew up with like Riot Grrrl And and you know Like I followed that band, this band Pansy Division around when they came to Sneaky D's and Fifth Column We interviewed this band Fifth Column That was like a formative kind of feminist Toronto Group, like it's yeah. just the the wealth of things you can learn from that, you know. And of course, that can sometimes take away from be learnings anything at school, but you know. Yeah. It's a trade-off. So that so you learned how to do that and you were adding your own things and from there you decided to make your own zine or at, at that point were you thinking of going to secondary post-secondary education or were you just sort of feeling like I just want to do what I'm doing? just hanging out, making zines.
1: Nah, uh, I kind of remember what happens. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, no, that's totally uh, fair. I mean, my, my a lot of my memories have been wiped away. Uh, and in, especially, you're in your, like, early 30s now, or late 20s? I'm
1: 34 now.
0: 30. Okay, so we're around, I'm 40, I just turned 40. And, uh, yeah, I, I, my 30s were definitely filled with a lot of memory gaps. And now it's like I'm at this point where, like, things have kind of settled down mentally for me, so I'm actually getting a couple of reminders here. And it's kind of interesting getting those kind of rushes of, of memory back,
1: you know. Yeah, I've, I've had a few, like, uh, I don't know. I haven't had a drink since uh, the new year. I don't know why. I'm just doing this little experiment. And I, my brain maybe has begun to fuse back together, and these weird little memories I haven't thought of in years or at all have like bobbed to the surface. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like that thing, I had no idea that was still there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's it's amazing, you know, because it's, it's also good for that for me because I have a lot of memories that are also burnt in that sort of become oh. narratives for my childhood or my uh, teenage years, just one thing, you know? Yeah. And then when you kind of get the other things, it can almost broaden your perception of yourself or something. It's kind
1: of neat. Well, in the past year or so suddenly, like some philosophy, it's almost like this little granule of MDMA or something has like broken loose in my brain. (laughs) Right. The Coke drip,
0: the Ric Flair Coke drip.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. All of a sudden, like I've been able to look back at things that would usually embarrass me about childhood or that I would usually be upset about. Like, how other people would have treated me badly or whatever. And I just think, well, we were all just kids.
0: Yeah. I think that that's important sometimes, like, because I feel like I've been treated badly and frankly, I also feel like I treat people badly and you know, it's, uh, or I threw negative energy at people at least, you know, and, and then, and I don't mean like negative energy. I mean, like I said something mean to someone, you know, and, and, uh, uh, there's, You just have to sort of include a statute of limitations to at least forgive yourself for it and take responsibility as best you can, I guess.
1: Uh, Yeah, I know. I saw someone recently that I grew up with back home, and they're like a cop now, and I'm like, oh, we were just kids growing up, and like... I don't know where that thought's going. It's just weird because it's a cop, and I like, I like saw him at like some bar and grill and I was like super drunk and I was like, oh my God, he must think I'm like this insane, messy, faggot still and like, it's probably, then I'm like, why would he, he's like an adult with like a job, like why would he go and like tell other people like, I saw Walter and he's a mess or whatever. But then I'm like, what I? Four, ah.
0: we've got, uh, just wanted to give some news. I when you went to high school as cops. <laughs> I just wanted ah. you guys to know uh, yeah, they, Walter's yeah. still the same messy queen he's ever been and
1: oh, uh, yeah, and then it's like, should I be proud of that? And then also in the story of how are they all cops and I'm not?
0: <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way sometimes in life, that everyone yeah. except for you is a cop?
1: Yeah, I'm not being a cop. Well, I mean, in like our like elementary school yearbook, all the boys' ambition was to play in the NHL, and mine was to be a writer.
0: Yeah, I mean, that interests me about uh, indigenous communities on some level because I've spent very little time in them, and just in terms of, uh, first of all, your relationship with police interests me, you know, uh, with law enforcement, and um, uh, especially in a small, because, mostly because it's sm- a smaller place, so it's like, I picture it being like that show North of 60, where like everybody knows, you know, this guy, you know, or, or Corner Gas, <laughs> you know?
1: Uh, well, Benalogue is not that small, but in a relationships sense, yeah, everyone knows who is a cop because it's someone's nephew or someone's cousin or whatever. Like, um, I, but like the cops, I, I feel like the cops in Kafnawangee they don't they don't have the same thing going on as like the way we think about cops everywhere else. Because like mm-hmm. they're, they're like they're not out like systematically oppressing people in going <laughs> right. because they're literally just like the cousin of somebody just going to be like oh yeah they're having a fight again and now we gotta go over there again and like um, like I don't know it's just no, like I, I totally get like it. one big like um I'm probably being really naive <laughs> saying this but it feels like just one big dysfunctional family.
0: Yeah. Well that doesn't feel totally naive because the dysfunctional part would be the bad cops who you would be afraid of. You
1: know well I mean like, I mean none of these those guys are listening to this podcast but so like talk some, some shit We're kind of like cokey and like had problems like anger problems and stuff right. growing up and like I'm just not surprised that they're cops like mm-hmm. I can only hope that like they find some kind of uh, peace or something or like
0: what a dangerous way to, to try to discover your own self-control. By actually becoming a police officer in order to like grow into self control, that's why there's so many problems. I mean, it's uh, stressful. But anyway, I mean, you were uh, illustrating for the zine that was being made, right? And and was is that is that the case? You were making uh, were they comics or cartoons or were they more like? Sketches or paintings that would then—I don't
1: know what you do. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. To pivot away from all the guys are cops now. Uh, I wonder if any of them have read Wendy. Actually, one of the one of the cops went to theater school with me.
0: Uh, You'd be surprised, Walter. Yeah, you
1: you you will have a,
0: a lot of the people I grew up with, maybe because of Facebook, you know, keep slight tabs, you know, and every once in a while you get a message
1: yeah so you know Cedar camp it really brought us all together for a time and we all went off to be like you know cops cops or not cops or work at the bank or become an artist whatever um so yeah so i was making zines i used to sell zines in high school on the school bus for like a dollar But, again, like, that was a way to sort of have something to do. I didn't really feel comfortable in high school, if you can imagine. And uh, it was, like, it gave me an opportunity to go down the road to the deafener and, like, mess around with the photocopy machine on my lunch break and stuff instead of, like, having to hang out. And it kind of gave me this taste that I had for going out into a city, even though it was just going out into this, like, semi-suburb outside of the high school, I felt, like, I had this craving for independence because I was sort of cooped up for most of my childhood, like in my rural, in my house, in like the rural part of town. And I wanted to be part of like a city. I wanted to be like one person in this like larger place. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then, oh, then what happened? I went to Dawson college in. uh, Montreal, and I did cinema communications. Everybody there was making their like drug movie, you know, because it's like you're like nineteen. The Jim
0: Morrison. uh, Do you ever see The Doors, the movie?
1: No, I haven't. No.
0: There's a part where Jim Morrison makes like a, uh, you know, is showing his film, and it's like black and white, and you know, a woman. He's like reading a sexual poem while standing on a woman's back or something yeah it's just yeah. so everyone was doing the drug movies but you had a different you had a different I was different you had a different plan that's the
1: uh, that's the title of this podcast I was different
0: <laughs> I do need to rebrand so maybe you'll name it
1: well everybody not everybody but it was really like smearing lipstick on a mirror and smashing it and screaming it and then like uh, and then like Requiem for a Dream was popular, that movie about, like, Mm -hmm. drugs, and then everybody was doing their version of that. Yeah, Jesus'
0: Son and Requiem for a Dream, I remember that era very well, like all the sort of drug movies with good actors.
1: But then i was just i was making claymations like the thing is like I, I i hadn't at that point been able to express anything about like my desires or like who i am what was like kind of as a person i guess because i wasn't out yet
0: yeah i was gonna ask
1: and like <laughs> and everybody i guess around me had like just sort of sunk into their 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 dank pit of desires and whatever like their it was like pit. yeah well, i mean you couldn't sink uh, into
0: the dink pit in the same way.
1: Well, that's uh, later on in the story. Okay, good. Sorry to, but
0: blow, yeah, like, blow the climax.
1: I feel like I, I feel like a stereotype of like uh, I saw this meme that was like gay boys are always told that they're wise beyond their years but it's really just because they're constipated emotionally and holding in every little aspect of like themselves that might seem a little like bit too fruity and and, and so then they come off as like reserved and like thoughtful cuz they're really just holding everything in all the time and trying to I
0: rationalize thought, that or something you know and with 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 these kinds of thoughts that seem wise you know but are just trying to keeping you from being insane
1: Sure. Yeah, and so I was making these really like demented, sexless claimations for a while, <laughs> uh, but I still managed to be somewhat popular. I want to see. These. Was. Yeah, they're they're like weird Tim Burton-esque tortured whatever. Uh, but you know, like because like uh, because of that, because I wasn't out, I had all of this like repressed energy and like. If I were like smoking weed or fucking—well, I was smoking weed—but if I was like fucking or, or, or like expressing who I actually was, maybe I would—I would have had the energy to like focus into making these things. So maybe I would have just made a lazy, druggy requiem for a dream thing and been like, "I'm a genius." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, and I can make out with my girlfriend, and no one's gonna like <laughs> make me feel bad about it.
0: Sometimes that's all it takes to get success.'
1: Just, like repression
0: just just making out with your girlfriend and making like a shitty movie yeah
1: that's what so you're... and so it sounds like I'm blaming all of the straight people
0: um, I mean you didn't name straight people you know I think I think that uh, that's it's interesting to me to think of what eight years after like when I grew up and for better or worse, in my you know on, I didn't relate gay people to uh, what would you call it like art artistry or so ne- 100% to like subversion you want to say like in a, in a positive sense, you know like like uh, but but that was a large part of what I appreciated was just like first of all just sort of proudly, being what, whatever you are, whoever you are, was like amazing to me. And uh, so when I saw that, it was great. But, but uh, a comedian, a gay, uh, a gay comedian once said to me, oh, it's so boring. Back in the day, you know, I thought all gay men were, were just brilliant, uh, all of them, because it was like Oscar Wilde or, you know, Andy Warhol, all these people. And now it's so normal and everyone's, oh, so many of them are boring. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, so so I, you, there might have been some boring gay people is what I'm trying to say in your example. There's so a lot
1: of boring not, gay people. You're not just um, blaming um, the straights,
0: which is fine to blame them. It's
1: I can't. I can't. I can't blame people for my journey. It, That's it's right. So, yeah. so I was a repressed uh, homo in, uh, in college, uh, and I made these weird mentions. And that lasted for a little while. And then, um, and then I wanted to go to animation school at Concordia University in Montreal, and I didn't get in. And then I was bummed out about that. But then, I was like, "Uh, uh, the art kids like seem cooler and hotter and like have more fun. And I want to like be who I actually am and like get laid and make art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and
0: animation is like editing. Once it's like professional level, it's just like such a time-consuming thing to be
1: doing, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the animation program in Concordia is like it was like a experimental, you know, oh. still, still using film and stuff like that. It wasn't like a Sheraton College like learning you know how to animate, like pipeline you know
0: to into the industry necessarily. Yeah, More of so an
1: art. you know. Uh, Well, I went to art school and did the art school thing, which there's, you know, if you can imagine, like, the normal art school thing.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I never went to actual, very much post-secondary at all, and I certainly didn't go to art school, but uh, I obviously, you know, went to a bunch of, you know, most of my friends had... And they'd either gone to like NASCAD or OCAD or you know some some place like you know my friend Davita you know wound up going to Columbia. esther for my other friend. It's just you know surrounding yourself with these people. You you know there was a lot, especially going to that residency. I mean, I would go there year after year. You know. Yeah. Um, so you, it, it, it all rang very true also, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Montreal and I I, I think of especially that first Wendy book as to be um there's something specific to Montreal in the kind of um like there doesn't seem to be an end game (laughs) to Wendy's partying or Screamo which is like, obviously I think you probably get a lot of good feedback from people for the Screamo character, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's like the, the messy, queer kid.
0: Is that based on, like, I what I try to get think of it is that these all seem like, or at least Wendy and Screamo seem like two different sides, although they have similar, <laughs> certain similar, one is sort of regretful, and the other one is just kind of, like, shameless, you know, Screamo being. Sure,
1: like, but still yeah. with shame. I think that, like, well, that's the character idea of shamelessness. Screamo is, like, the thing about Streamo in the book is that he, everything he says is in Cap's law. Yes. And um, the word bubbles of everything he says are sharper, like mm-hmm. literally, formally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he, uh, he does sort of act boldly and without shame. But, like, there are some parts in the story where you can tell that that behavior is actually just extreme like vulnerability and he's like acting that way to push people out or keep them at a distance or Mm -hmm. remain as aloof as possible. And I've been holding off on writing exactly what that is because another thing about screamo is that like, he never comes when he has sex. (laughs) Uh, The
0: antidepressant talking.
1: No, it's not because he's not on them. And like, I keep like pushing back, like, why is this like, this like, Part of his life, you know, or like, why is he like that? And I haven't, I haven't written it yet. Cause...
0: It's that gay constipation you were talking about earlier, you know, the same yeah, reason I... people might talk about the stereotype of, uh, the, of stereotype people and saying, "Oh, you're, uh, you know, wise beyond your years." It would be like, "Oh, you're so horny, and it's fucking amazing." Like I, I, I see a lot of appropriation, let's say, of that uh in mainstream culture you know and it's and it's taking uh, that that's what makes me so mad about that type of thing that's happened into our culture and i know i'm going off on my own thing it's a podcast i can do it do you mind does it feel like i'm being
1: no keep going uh
0: it's that so many things are adopted by people uh and so it sort of erases the origin of why this is, why they exist at all you know, like the Yas Queen and stuff and, um, obviously I don't know what that would come from I see, you are seen, you are heard, that's the newest thing that's being like Biden, Joe, American politicians are tweeting this out I see you, you are heard and uh-huh. it's just like you know it's it's not actually doesn't actually mean anything you know, or or, uh, you know, self-esteem boosts or pride boosts for people who actually don't need any more self-esteem or pride and have nothing to do with the reasons why people needed that. I mean, uh, I don't are you know, talking about the
1: commodification of gay culture?
0: Commodification, appropriation. Um, the it, it actually blends together because it's like gay culture, black culture, feminist culture. Uh, underground culture and uh progressive culture which i think is actually the most dangerous in a lot of ways because it could keep the status quo under the guise of seeming progressive
1: well yeah i mean with screamo he's a cypher for like these kinds of things i think that uh in the new book I have this this story very explicitly specifically about Screamo in Montreal sort of living a life like the book takes the book is kind of um, Like it's about Montreal but like his life is starting to be a little bit like what your life in Montreal can be like If you don't leave after art school. I'm very
0: familiar with this. Yeah,
1: and it's based on like real shit like people I know things that like actually happen like he there's like a part where he goes to a grinder hookup and the grinder hookup says that he's not masculine enough and like is ethnic and he doesn't want either of those things and it's funny because Screamo's character design is just like the scream face kind of like so it's funny that like the it's fun telling other people that my art's funny, but the character says like, "Are you Asian? What are you?" Like, I'm not into it. <laughs> um, and then he like steals the guy's medication and like goes to the bar. And his friend is like a like literally a native sex worker, a native trans sex worker, who they share the medication, and she has a chronic pain condition. So like, she's glad that like he stole it for her. Mm-hmm then like she does a client and then like the client's friend comes over to drink and then him and screamo have sex but the guy is closeted and like it's really like um, well like super closeted and insecure and then screamo has a moment where he can like guide somebody through something like without even really trying to, to be like a good person or helpful like just by being himself he's able to help somebody feel some pleasure or something mm-hmm. anyway so like there's like all of these like serious things that happen concerning people who are like people that like sort of exist in this world in the margins. And I think there is a risk I think for some readers to think that I might be overreaching or something or, or maybe not speaking from my own experience. But like, I don't know, I think it's important to put these kinds of people in these kinds of stories and remind people that pride isn't just like you get half off Starbucks once a year. You know, if <laughs> yeah, like quite a day.
0: But I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it, it's something where we just need to be nuanced. Well, not, people just need to be nuanced in both their judgment of things and in the way that they present the stuff in their art. My, one of my favorite things about uh, the Wendy book is just that I read is just uh, that it's eminent it's like super readable like you could just blaze through it and 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 read the story because it's just one story and it's funny and it's you know um brisk but but uh adding these other elements by other elements just like authentic it to your experience i'm sure i mean it's not like you're going that far from your your experience right so yeah. Um, it, it's key to it because oh my god we don't need some navel gazing work like this it, it, it can't be because the whole joke is that someone like Wendy kind of has this element of navel gazing and in fact is constantly being exposed to an art, older art culture that to her seems a bit navel gazing and intimidates her yeah. is, that, is that accurate you know or am I um, ciphering
1: again I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's just one interpretation. It
0: definitely is. It's only my interpretation, yeah.
1: yeah. So where were we?
0: We were at you talking about the Wendy comic, and you had gone to animation. Uh, you'd gone into animation. You'd. Oh, well, I hadn't.
1: I wasn't accepted. And I went to wasn't art accept- You
0: weren't accepted no. into the, the school,
1: so then you... Yeah. Well I feel like we're leading right. up to the present now because That's then what I'm talking I graduated about. art school and then I actually no there's a bit more to the story. I I graduated from art school and then I did a residency at the Bath Center. And That's at pretty that cool. point, yeah. Well at that point, like post art school, I was making show posters and I was in a band.
0: What was the name of your band? Did we Hope ever that. play together?
1: Um did we? We might have. It was dead wife.
0: Yeah. Oh, you were in Dead Wife. We talked about this.
1: Yeah, with yeah. Becky uh, and Ashley. Oh, I'm
0: yeah. Sure. We played you. Dead Wife played the show where I broke my arm. Oh, fuck. Was that a Friendship Pool? Bar Saint Laurent uh, 2. I don't know if you were drumming the whole time. Or...
1: Oh, Bar Saint Laurent. I don't even remember. But...
0: I mean, it would have been the show that ended
1: with an ambulance coming. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry That's that a... happened to
0: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh. It's not
1: so much of that time it was also kind of a blur.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had so much fun with Montreal. Montreal is easily the kind of city to the Brutal Nights band. And, you know, it's because of people like Lisa, you guys, and, and, you know, the punk scene at that time and um, all these different bands. And it's, just, it's just interesting, you know, Montreal and that initial breath of. Uh, freedom that it sometimes and quality work that uh, 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 that, uh, you can feel there and then the sort of other side which are the months of freezing and the feeling of repetition and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think socially too I was kind of like suspended in between a few things like the queer scene which was just like messy fun party time and then like the punk scene which was a little more straight but like you know we're friendly, yeah. which was more about music, uh, and I kind of vacillated between the two, and um, and then like the like uh, confluence of all these things at the Fatel Building, like girls who work at Betsy Johnson coming to see shows uh, alongside these like crust punks who like train hop, and everyone's standing on the same like boards like, sitting on top of mud, and it was just, like, this mix of, like, um, you know, like, speed addicts, and then, like, art girls, and then random noise guys whose parents are rich, and then noise guys whose parents are poor. Like, I don't know, it was kind of just, like, a a confluence of all of these different young people kind of coming together, Uh, on top of the fact that my scenes, like, I kind of was in between a few different scenes because, like, as a queer person, like, you do kind of get bored at a certain point of being at the noise show with a bunch of straight guys and then you dip, you know, with your friend who doesn't really care about music at all who shows up and then you guys both dip and you go to the gay party. And, like, like, kind of just seeing how things sort of ooze into each, at least in my life, like, I oozed in and out of, like, these different kinds of places that, like represented different parts of myself um and all of it was like very fun i i think that time is the beginning of wendy and like documenting all of that stuff happening and and the different kinds of characters in the book they kind of represent these different kinds of like parts of the scenes that i was in so Screamo Mm -hmm. is from this kind of queer scene and wendy is kind of like the art girl at the punk show, but then there's actual punks there, you know. So they're all sort of like have these like double passports, and like they're they're all like creating this like kind of fluid community, um, where like their different subjectivities and the different points of view like create these like narratives and stories in, and amongst each other. So that's when I made the first Wendy Zine, and then I sold it at Expo Zine.
0: And was that before you went to Banff, or was that while you were at Banff? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So then that was after, because I went to the Banff Center. I was was, uh, invited to do um, an Indigenous-themed-led residency, and I went there making these, like, psychedelic screen prints, because that's what I kind of just did, you know, in Montreal. And I had like the facilities to make these bigger, more colorful things. And, uh, but at the same time, was trying to squeeze myself into something that I thought was like capital A art, like in this austere kind of like way, trying to understand what it meant for me to be an artist who like shows art in exhibitions. uh, And the art has some sort of like really, obscure concept that can only be understood through the materiality if you already are. Yeah. I don't know. Like I or was to just read
0: the, of, the artist statement, which is like two pages. At the Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want it in, I want it to be a serious artist in the way that I thought that a serious artist should be. Right. Uh, but I, I was really like disillusioned and frustrated and kind of just, I see. Th- I guess I just was like, I instead of doing that, at one point I just snapped and was like, I'm just gonna make something that brings me joy and uh, is not for an art audience, and just go back to this heritage of like making comics and zines and make something really stupid, like like the the humor in Wendy actually just stems from this like. Uh, frustration and desire to just be vulgar and idiotic
0: (laughs) I'm familiar with I I share this as well
1: yeah I'm sure you do
0: I have at least I mean I still do but it it whittles away as I age it's kind of sad
1: yeah I know I don't want to be like the vulgar idiotic uh older man especially in
0: like if you're anything related to punk especially you know like you cannot be that 50 year old
1: the old punk
0: yeah who's just like this song's called what's in my butt is in your mouth (laughs) i keep on setting you up to laugh and disappoint me um (laughs) but that's my interpretation
1: no i mean that's i'm 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 afraid of that soon so anyway i made wendy because i was like well i'm I'm, i don't want to try to be an artist anymore i'm just going to make what i'm used to making and then it's that thing the art that you the art on the way to making the art is the art yeah yeah
0: yeah i mean really just letting loose and doing what makes you laugh or makes you feel like you're nailing able to articulate your feel, your emotions and feelings. I mean, that's crazy. I, I still don't feel like I can do that. But when I look at a couple of the things I've done in the last, in a, you know, I get kind of happy because I'm like, or, or almost jealous. I'm just like, damn, like I nailed how I was feeling, but I didn't have like the tools to kind of deal with it <laughs> that I have now. And I can't nail what I'm feeling now. You know,
1: I know I that totally resonates with me I feel like you're all of this art that I'm making or art that people make It's almost like a letter to your future. self, and that's all it could ever really be Because of yeah. like you think that you're just making this thing and it's about Wendy and it's about someone else and whatever But I've been able to like look back and I've been like This was about this and that was about that and that's not just a veiled like story. That's exactly what happened
0: Yeah Yeah, exactly. You think you're somehow not naked because you're working it. You're drawing, you're making, giving someone a different name. You're taking it and then you look at it and you're like, oh, this is like me. And it's transparent and it's for people to see who are Yeah. you know, and then obviously you're, you know, you do anything public, you will have moments where someone comes up to you and doesn't just talk about something, how it's personal to them, but reveals that they know something personal about you through your work <laughs> and it's like kind of scary sometimes
1: it can be a bit much like yeah i've gotten like weird emails and like people have been like kind of creepy i don't know
0: has anyone started a letter by saying dear wendy
1: no i do get like a lot of like is wendy you you know and i'm like yeah. obviously like i don't yeah. know or maybe not but like i don't know who cares who cares
0: that was why when i read it i read that i did i read it more like screamo i mean yeah it was like a comment more of a comment in your specific experience in a weird way whereas wendy feels like it's witnessed and lived you know like screamo to me but again that's my that was my perception of it upon
1: reading yeah yeah i mean you know i feel like they're, all of the characters are some version of me or something I've experienced. That's we can't just, help yeah, that. We can't help it. It's yeah. just part of it. But like the the joy of fiction is that you get to take those experiences, you get to expand on them and you get to create all these neurotic fantasies around what could be, what wasn't, what could have been and like you know, th- that is about you in the sense that it's mm-hmm. about like your neurotic fantasies, but it's not necessarily about you in the sense that this is exactly what happened.
0: So maybe the Bible was just like a neurotic fantasy maybe it's like a series of neurotic fantasies.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't think much about the Bible, but you're absolutely right about that. All of those allegories <laughs> they can't all be true. Yeah, Mark couldn't have been that bad.
0: <laughs> exactly. And like the sea didn't part. It's just that there was a more shallow part that went all the way down through.
1: People were eating out of Tupperware and they were like, Did the sea get smaller? Yeah, I think it's receding, like the tide went out. Oh, yeah. And the money the lenders weren't. Kind of char-
0: <laughs> Sorry. You, you're, yeah. Uh, the money lenders weren't uh, charging the amount of interest that was in the Bible.
1: Yeah. So a whole bunch of really benign things happened. And then they like wrote a story and called it the Bible.
0: Uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean that's all really, and I was well, something that I thought about that I made a note about at least was just that you know the first Wendy book has that element uh, of the Banff Center of going to a residency and since then I've seen that you know you seem to get a lot of residencies you just did one in Brooklyn right uh, at the end of last year
1: Yeah I was in Brooklyn for half of 2019. That's awesome. It's this uh, the ISCP International Studio Curatorial Program. Mm-hmm. They have a studio there that Canada pays for, and they send Canadian artists there. And like I know a lot of people who have done it before me. Um, residencies feel like school because suddenly you're trapped. Not trapped. I shouldn't say trapped. I have felt trapped though. Like well, you... with these artists, and they're international sometimes, and you're all kind of just like. We all got our fanny packs, and we're all getting on the subway. We're all going to go to the Met together, because that's our <laughs> field trip. And then it's like, do I like these people? And then they're all trying to figure out who of the cohort they actually like, and then it starts to get cliquey, and then, like, so much energy is taken up trying to just be, like, maintain these social dynamics. Is there those, a like, lot
0: of space at the residency that in, in Brooklyn that you were at? Like, was there – were there physical – Sort of was there some amount of
1: physical distancing going on? You know, physical or, distancing? Well, just was uh, everybody. That, <laughs> no. Was uh, everybody, well. You know. The building—it's a big old building that used to be an air conditioner factory, which is ironic because the air conditioning there does not work very well, uh, and. Every, like different countries have like a studio for their artists, Uh, it's like pretty big. I'd say the studio is about the size of the apartment that I'm sitting in right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a common space with like a table where you could sit and eat your salad and try to talk to the artist from the Netherlands. You know? Wash the dishes. Wash the dishes, get an email about how you're not washing the dishes. And then, you know, that's just like an opportunity to be in New York and go see art and, like, uh, you know, be yeah. involved in the cultural world of New York if, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah. And uh,
0: go to the rice pudding restaurant that they have. Go to the
1: rice pudding restaurant.
0: I don't know if it's still there, but there was like a place that sold only rice pudding in like Lower sure. East.
1: Coast. Yeah, Rivington area. My mother used to live in brooklyn and she told me don't go to state street because it's dangerous because she used to live like uh, somewhere on state street in brooklyn and i was like mom it's not the same like Liv tyler probably lives in your apartment now <laughs> um but yeah that was cool i mean It remains to be seen whether my experiences in New York will end up in Wendy. Like, I think what's really weird now is I have to think about what kind of story I can tell in the next book that, like, folds in this whole COVID thing, because there's no way to not write about it, you know?
0: Well, I mean, luckily, you have unfettered access to artists' Instagram stories, to art kids', uh, you know? Uh, all around the world, trying to cope with it, you get to see people uh, on bike. You know that dumb bike trip you see all these people taking and <laughs> during this, and I think I think that there's a lot for everybody to see right now. It's it's really interesting. I mean, I get super epic sometimes in in thinking, and I'm just like. To me, it's just like, I see history repeating itself, which I never actually thought about in terms of that a hundred years ago, there was a pandemic in the in the world. And uh-huh. uh, that then like the night, 2020 is the first era uh, since the nineties where I've been like, oh, like this is the twenties. Like we're actually in an era that we were in 1920. We're actually, but, but you know, the aughts didn't really have any kind of resonance as a term and then the early 2000s was definitely an era but you can just really call it the early 2000s you know and it just doesn't have the same
1: it did feel a little bit like uh we were waiting around to feel like we were in a new decade yeah and Um, it was
0: just like the drugs were a little crazier and it combined with 90s grossness like love grossness
1: yeah, just it was like this in between space, and yeah. now that we finally get, now we finally get a defined decade, and we've ruined it with the rise of fascism. Yeah, the rise of uh, and fascism. everything else,
0: and the the tamping down of uh, uh, like everybody's like so many people's rights and and squabbles over things that are less pressing sometimes you know because they're personal i mean it's just yeah it's it's funny yeah the other thing is yeah you just look back and you go oh my god like this actually led to this and here we are but i i think that we have to kind of as much as we can just like or i do i just need to like a little bit step away from that because sometimes i i wind up hoping too much when this first started, you know, it's just like everybody's getting universal basic income everybody's gonna um, you know uh, have to you know, think about what working is and why we do it, you know and that's being actively fought particularly by the American government right now so yeah, it's it's fucked up but I think, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you're gonna write during this era, I think it'll be great
1: I read this book called um, A Short History of Progress. It's by this like guy who did a CBC Massey lecture. It's like a 15 year old book. And it just outlined the rise and fall of civilizations. And it like was specific about, here are the things that made the civilization rise. And then here are the signs of it starting to fall. And it was like water infrastructure and like the powers that be and like the way they behave and like the way the things that they, they tout uh the like national mythologies that they create and like how that affects like crops literally you know like and and the 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 of the book was like so uh civilization will fall again like it it's just here's how it happened over and over and over and over and here are the signs that it's going to happen again and it wasn't like in a doomsday way and it was it was in a very like cbc arts and science and humanities kind of way that
0: classic downer canadian uh news item presented as hey
1: yeah yeah uh the kind of like speaking of them that middle-aged people from victoria bc go to and no one
0: else (laughs) totally yeah yeah
1: yeah um but you know i i kind of believe that i i think that like but you know, not to be so doomsday. I think that like, it's, but next- we're not all gonna
0: die in the civilization falling necessarily. You know, in in a declining such civilization, it's just we might wind up under the yoke of uh, Malta.
1: Yeah. Well, this is kind of to my point. I feel like the next Wendy, if I'm gonna write a new Wendy, I don't wanna. S- talk too much about it because when you talk about things that you lose the motivation but I I wouldn't want to make another I wouldn't want to make art about art in the time of COVID I would rather wait to write the new one for like things to change a little bit and like like here's like Wendy post COVID you know
0: yeah
1: because like there's so many cartoonists on Instagram that are writing these diaristic like today will up at three and i'm thinking about the government um i made bread and i think it's okay to sit in your feelings yeah. the end and then everyone's like love it so brave."
0: i mean nobody's willing to accept the banality of all of this you know we're still trying to kind of color it with our own little palette and it's like that's good but because we need to get by but in the end,
1: yeah, I don't mean to be cynical, even though I totally sounded cynical. No, that was that was
0: funny, and it's true. But I mean, I haven't I haven't seen that that much of the uh, you know like graphic worlds like take on this or anything like that. But but I I have seen comedy is trying to sort of do Zoom lives and Instagram live like right now my the upper part of my Instagram is all you know so and so is going. And I've participated participated a bit in stuff like that, and it has been fun, but beyond it being fun, I don't know what it is yet, you know? And and just today I was thinking about, oh, well, I guess when this kind of dies down, it's actually going to create, like, a little sub-world of, like, remote comedy shows, because why would that need to go away if you can have two things, you know? So... So I did start thinking somewhat towards the future, even though the, the, if this does take a really long time, you know, it's, it's, it's really not a big deal. Your books seem to be like two to three years in, in between, right, when they, when they sort of get finished. So you'll be able to sort of handle that.
1: Yeah, there'll be a bit of distance, and I think my interest is um, more in the personal relationships aspect of COVID and, like, what happens in the aftermath of this time when everybody is separated, and I guess I'll find out in my own personal life, but, like, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be interesting to have Wendy in this, like, post-COVID weird, like, hangover from this, like, massive upheaval in the way people connect with each other. Yeah. Uh, Because at its core, like, I feel like Wendy is a satire of the art world, but I feel Mm -hmm. like it's like, at its core, like about people, you know, like interacting with each other and it's about relationships. Because I think like, I think Wendy would be boring if it was only just a a satire of the art world. Mm -hmm. And so I think I want the core of the new book to be, still continue as Wendy has been to be about relationships
0: yeah well that was why I related it to zines uh, I think initially was just because when I would read comics or people talking about their experiences uh, you know in in some typewriter font you know photocopied like I found it comforting and I found it to have depth primarily because it was not about posturing or if it was you know there was generally an element of, of vulnerability within that. And I definitely see an extension of that in, in Wendy. And, and uh, I like that because it lives between a lot of other different sort of comic art, you know, like you have stuff like, uh, art Spiegelman, you know, and that's very diaristic and a peek into the world of, a. uh, you know whatever he was and 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 then and then you have stuff like Michael Copperman which is like has elements of absurdity you know and and then yours is sort of this uh, it's it's got a few different things going on like you could even compare the sort of relationship element to like a soap opera kind of thing and not in not as a negative you know but just like what's going to happen
1: well is well yeah cuz you got to hook people like yeah. as a side note um I, uh, Wendy coincided with, I started to date someone who liked to watch a lot of TV. Like, they were, like, really smart and, like, an art writer and whatever, and a curator, but they also somehow managed to find time to watch, like, ten different shows at once. Mm -hmm. But I spent a lot of time in front of TV watching the way TV is structured, the way storylines are structured, and I was like, oh, I, I guess there's a way to make something smart, but also, like, hook you just using, like, these really these like elements of writing for television and I thought why not try to make something compelling in like a trashy TV show kind of way
0: yeah that's really interesting it, it, it kind of uh, is like part of your multidisciplinary story like you pick that up and you just kind of threw it in the mix you know even though it's about something that you were already making it was like adding another dimension to it that's cool
1: I mean but, as a way to make it not boring I guess
0: Yes, yes. Which Canadian work actually is not required to be not boring, so I appreciate you <laughs> going about
1: Sure, but I think it's a myth that Canadian audiences aren't interested or interesting.
0: Oh, 100%. I don't think... I think that the disconnect is between the work that is put out and the, what is presented to the, the audience. You know, like I think that a lot of the stuff that gets to go is... Hedging its bets, let's say.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, why is it like that? Why? why I, it I like think
0: that? it has to do with just people with career jobs, you know, in a, who are uh, gatekeepers, but are doing like a lot of things all at once and just want to keep it going. But I don't really know. I mean, I honestly, I should talk to someone on the show about why that is. You know, because there's so many interesting people out there and there's even so many like in and there's even so many interesting so-called like gatekeepers but it's just like there's so much politics in terms of what can get made what can get funding nobody wants to pay more than the bare bare minimum for things you know and and it's really hard to get paid more for something uh, yeah it's 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 very odd and and I guess we should go i mean it's been an hour and a half now which is
1: oh yeah, no, it's
0: it's it's been a great talk. But I don't mean to just cut it off hard. I'm just before yeah, I go, like I just wanted to know like to ask a very generic question, like what's keeping you what's your sanity level in all this so far and what is keeping you occupied? If anything. Um
1: like really
0: And by all this I mean during the quarantine.
1: I'm in a very privileged position in the sense that I could make my art from home, mostly. And Mm -hmm. I think I was trying to lead a more introverted life uh, before COVID happened. And so, in an ironic way, this quarantine just made, made it easier for me to live that life. Because any FOMO I would have has been completely obliterated. Um,
0: <laughs> but don't you see people still kind of trying to create FOMO for their past lives? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Yeah,
1: I, or also, I don't know, like, ugh. FOMO for the life that they're, like, having FOMO for someone else's setup, maybe? Is, like, <laughs> people
0: have. Oh, my God, they've got a jacuzzi. That's got to be great.
1: That would be cool.
0: Oh, my God. But, like,
1: in terms of sanity, uh you know, I have been hooking a rug. I like bought some tools and I oh. bought some yarn and... What
0: is a tool you're holding?
1: Uh, it's a rug hooker. It's also for hair and stuff. It's like this little, it's got a handle and a hook and this weird little like pivoting extra little piece next to the, the hook so that you can pull the yarn through the grid and the yarn ties itself around the grid. And you do that a thousand times, and then you get this little square of yarn. So that's weird that I'm doing that because I would never have thought I would get into something like that. But that's how I'm staying sane. Hooking a carpet. And we'll see how that goes. And and then at the end of it, I'll have a carpet for my apartment that I've made entirely on my own.
0: That's pretty awesome. It's fine. And, and then we'll all be shipped off to some sort of a facility live the rest Yeah, of we days. will.
1: I'll see you in, in the truck. I'll see, I'll you, see you in the truck.
0: And please bring copies of your new book, Wendy, Wendy Master of Art, out on Drawn and Quarterly. Yes?
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's the very podcast style plug. Wendy, yeah. Master of Art, Drawn and Quarterly. Published by Drawn and Quarterly.
0: Available out by is. mail.
1: Available by mail. People are doing a lot of reading. So the okay. pandemic has been really good for my career.
0: Is that true? Like, have you noticed an upswing in people sort of in your, on, on your Etsy page? I don't know. Like, how do you track people buying your stuff? Okay,
1: so here's what I suspect happened, is I got a lot more Wendy's sales of my last, my last two books, and I think it's in anticipation of the new one.
0: Oh, that's kick-ass.
1: Yeah, which is good. I think people are, like, hearing about it, and then they're like, oh, let me get the first two to catch up. I think that's what's going on. This is what I most optimistic, you know. Yeah. We we'll see. We'll see.
0: Well, that's great. That is great and it took us I was I've been bugging you about this for months, almost for like since 2019. So, I've always wanted to have you on the podcast. The other artist I've had is I had Michael DeForge on. Yeah. And that was really fun and uh, now you're in the mix and I, I hope you had a good time I really appreciate you taking the time yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me on
0: anytime. anytime and that was my talk with Walter Walter Scott, creator of Wendy the amazing comic that you can find out more of at drawnatgordily.com or wwalterscott.com or follow him on Instagram Walter K. Scott. So that's Walter. This is me. I'm Nick. You can always support this podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Hell, just go to nickflanagan.bandcamp.com, pick up a copy of my album, pay whatever you want for it. Those are ways to support this podcast. And let me tell you, I could use it. But as much as I could use, you know, material cash support, I could much more, I I even, just any kind of support is good. Say, hey, great job. Hey, here's something I was thinking about. Like anything. Subscribe, rate, review. And if you do want to get in touch with me, weeklypodcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. This has been a treat. Enjoy the show. Outside of this podcast, the world's, all the world's a show. See you soon. Oh, man. Nick Oh God Flanagan oh, God. Weekly oh,
1: Nick Flanagan weekly